0: Okay, ready?
1: I just spilled that everywhere. I didn't know this was seltzer.
0: Oh, come on. I thought it was. Come on. I
1: didn't know. (laughs) I didn't. I thought it was water.
0: I thought you were purposely getting that because the bevy machine was broken. And it was like, all right, I'm going to show you. I need seltzer at all times.
1: No, I just wanted freaking still water. Mm, Big mistake. I didn't even know that Poland Spring did this. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Poland Spring makes sel- whatever. I'm done. I'm over it. Go.
0: Hello and welcome to Talking Too Loud with Chris Savage. I'm your host, Chris Savage, and I am joined as always by Sylvie Lebeau, my co-host and podcast producer extraordinaire. Sylvie, why are you spilling salt water everywhere? there? What's going on <laughs> over there?
1: I I don't even know. I didn't even think I shook it up. I just like gingerly placed this bottle in my bag and took it out and then it exploded. So. And you opened
0: it right over the computer. <laughs> Shh. Classic podcasting tip, everyone. Always start by <laughs> dumping sparkling water all across your keyboard for optimal recording.
1: You know who would never do that? Our guest today. He would never do something so outrageous.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Adam Palmer, you mean? The director of creative production ops at GoDaddy? Um. <laughs> Because he is our guest. Adam's a pretty wild guy. Um, worked at Viacom for 15 years and moved over to GoDaddy to help them expand their brand and build shows and do all that kind of stuff. Um, this was such a fun interview to do. And it also really interesting like to do it with somebody who neither of us have met before and instantly felt like I've known this guy for years.
1: Oh, yeah. I was like, this is your boy. It's my boy. Y'all are homies. Yeah. It's my boy. <laughs> You're my boy, Blue. You're my boy. You're my boy.
0: <laughs> Things I didn't think we'd be saying today in today's nope. show. Nope. Um, didn't think
1: we'd be quoting old school, but here we are. We're here. Here we are.
0: Sylvia, I feel like this is finally the episode when we talk about your obsession with astrology. Do you think we should go there <laughs> or No. <laughs>
1: Yeah, let's go there because, okay, to call it an obsession, that's a bit of a leap.
0: It's a way of life. It's a way you live your life.
1: I'd say I am intrigued. Okay. I have friends who are like hardcore obsessed. Okay. I've like dipped my toe in, you know?
0: Does that mean you have a paid subscription to like how many different astrology things?
1: Sure does not. Okay. Sure does not. Nothing. I, okay. I'm like astrology light. Okay. I. I like get fired up about it for sure. Mm. Um, When's your birthday, for instance? When is your birthday? My birthday
0: birthday is in October. No, it isn't. Yes, it is.
1: Are you being serious?
0: (laughs) I don't usually lie about that. but My
1: birthday's in October. Oh. Are you end, beginning or end, or middle? I'm in the middle. So you're a Libra? Yes. I'm a Libra.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What does that mean? What does that mean? It's
1: just. Wow, I'm shocked. I am shocked. You wow. We're both leaves.
0: What are leaves known for? What do we do?
1: Okay, we love harmony. Okay. <laughs> We're really into like harmonious, mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. like want people to be happy and comfortable. Um justice and fairness mm-hmm. is very mm-hmm. important to mm-hmm. us. I don't know if you identify with that. Um we can be extroverted for sure, but we also have like a quiet side.
0: Mm-hmm. Isn't all astrology set up so that it works in every case? Like, isn't that the magic Stop. of it? That, like,
1: <laughs> do not, no, 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 it is not. And if you know what, maybe as a future guest, we'll get an astrology expert on show. I think show. we
0: should. I think we should break it down. That would be fun. Yeah. And then they that can, would be fun. Then they can talk, show us the sundial they look at to figure out what time of day it is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. I'm super into it. I think Adam Palmer would be into it.
0: I don't know. We should have asked.
1: We should have asked.
0: Maybe we should jump into that interview because it has nothing to do with astrology.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. Okay.
2: Adam, so nice to meet you. Thanks for coming on Talking Too Loud. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Really excited to be a part of uh, Talking Too Loud. Yes. It's an exciting day for me, Chris. Good. You seem excited. You came in hot. Even just the (laughs) setup, dealing
0: with some technical difficulties on my side, Sylvie's side, you've been like, you know, getting the jokes going. So it feels like you're ready to go. Um, So obviously the, the podcast is called Talking Too Loud. And, you know, I just cannot control the volume of my voice when I am
2: excited. But I'm wondering, what's got you talking too loud these days? You know, it's interesting. So there's talking too loud of like, uh, you know things that you're really excited about, and then there's talking too loud things that you're you're aggressive about. Uh, <laughs> <and> like,
1: <laughs> That's an important distinction. Yes,
2: I'm going to err on the side of things I'm excited about uh, okay. because you teamed it up pretty pretty nicely there. Um, uh, it, for me, I, I get a lot of excitement out of right now um, a lot of the, the the content play. So I'm uh, I'm with. GoDaddy. I work in the uh, division of the brand department there called Always On. And we do a lot of the content uh, across long and short form. Uh, We do all of the podcast work, video content. And uh, what's got me talking loud right now is redefining what our content play is and really who our competitive set is. Uh, The objective and goal ultimately is to get people watching, get people listening, build a core audience behind our content, thinking about our content studio as an entertainment company, as an entertainment brand, right? So I think, you know, I, no different. I'm sure this is something that uh, Chris has been on your mind and Sylvia as well. You know, when you're creating content, identifying the audience is key, but also understanding what already exists out there in market. Uh, because you're competing for attention, you're competing for ears, you're competing for eyeballs. Uh, our competitive set is not our direct retail or our direct uh, SaaS company or our direct competitors in, in any of those specific uh, business vertical spaces. Our competitors are anyone who's creating content, really, because that's the market share that we're all looking to hit on. And I love that we're on video as well on this podcast, because I'm getting so many great cues from Sylvie, uh, which is which is phenomenal.
0: Well, I think what she was to was like, are you saying that we're competitors? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love that setup because, I mean, obviously, we couldn't agree more. Like, I think the markets change so much, the ability for anyone to create content. Um, and also what our customers want, like people want things that's like more focused and niche that they can learn and engage with that can translate to how they spend their time at home, but also how they spend their time at work, right? And like, that's who you're tapping into. Um, but when I think about GoDaddy, I don't know if you I know you joined r- relatively recently. Um, but like, I associate GoDaddy still with like the early commercials with like Danica Patrick and all that stuff. Um, but the company has obviously evolved a lot, and now is really focused on supporting entrepreneurs. Can you can you talk a little bit about the evolution of the company and what GoDaddy
2: is today? Yeah, absolutely. The reason I joined GoDaddy was primarily because when I first interviewed, uh, there was a very direct and distinct. Hey, here's GoDaddy. Here's what we're all about. This is our brand voice. This is our brand ethos. This is our brand mission. Uh, this is our corporate mission. Like These things were delineated in very substantiated and very carefully plotted and planned ways that um, really were the beginnings of that evolution that you're talking about, Chris. The thing that really piqued my curiosity and piqued my interest is that's really where the interview process started was, let us show you something and let us tell you something. Um, there was an inherent story in what GoDaddy stood for, and what uh, uh, what the company was all about. Um, my job then became, and this was a really nice progression in the conversation of like, your job becomes, get that to the masses. Make that something that people see, hear, and feel that they can identify the brand as X. And that really was From my track record, my background, I came from media, Uh, I I came from Viacom where I spent 15 years uh, and and had in the back of my mind, yeah, I do see a benefit as in-housing is becoming more and more relevant and more and more really powerful, seeing brands that are doing it in the right way and flexing that muscle, investing in that space, right? That became like, I have some of those tools. I know some of those processes. I know some of those KPIs. So it was a lingua franca that I was like, I, I understand what you're trying to accomplish. And you've already gotten the, the the principles down. Let's go to work. And a lot of us have never seen what like a really crisp,
0: you know, brand document looks like. And GoDaddy back in the day with like the wild and crazy commercials, like many of those things I feel like would be like too hot for TV today, right? Like they're just like, it was a different time. <laughs> Um, but they knew that they were, they were selling domain names only and like they needed to do something different and they, they differentiated on brand and they became like a massive household brand. I wonder like when you kind and I, I'm guessing, but I'd love to hear like when you came in, does that mean that you saw like a really clear, specific, you know, brand document and it's like, this is exactly who our brand is for. This is what we're for. This is what we're against like, and then that, that is so compelling because like, that's rare? Because I, I, I think most people haven't seen something that crisp. So can you kind of describe what that is like?
2: Certainly. To your question, is it rare? I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know how common it is. But I mean, the fact that you know there's a, there's a physical brand book. <laughs> like it, That was handed to me on day one where it's like, open this up and, and look and touch and feel what this brand is about. Um, what it looks like is basically what are your what are your pillars? Again, uh, the 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 audience and the customer are there, um, but from a very holistic standpoint, we talk about like what is the corporate mission? Was the brand mission? That corporate mission is to radically change the global economy towards the independent venture. And for something like that, that's big. That's the table stakes, right? Yeah, that yeah. is something that just plowed me over. I felt run over by a uh, steamroller. I felt like I'm, I'm joining the rebellion. Yeah. Uh, uh, we're, we're, we're getting into it. Let's go. And, and I had that emotive connection with this brand of like, yeah, we need a centralized figure to lead these independent ventures globally uh, to make a substantial change on what our global economy looks like for the better. That's awesome. But
0: I also think that's like for for anyone listening, you know, if you're building a company, you're building a brand, you're an entrepreneur, like what Adam's talking about is like having something so clear and something so direct that it like motivates you to take action. And I, I think that like, it's funny, because like, you know, you don't always think about bigger companies having those. But I think that a lot of folks don't realize that they do. And often like that is when you're a part of that big vision, that big mission, um, that can be extremely exciting. And that's what it takes to make a dent, right? Like, that's what it takes to actually get people's attention and have them understand your values so to have it be something bold and different. Um, like, I think about Coke and like how much Coke has evolved, right? Like, the product's been exactly the same, but their brand has evolved so much over time in terms of like the things they do to try to get across, like, Coke is about joy. Um, that's not done by accident like it's a lot of work and so it's cool to hear that that's so motivating and i think it's a good message for anybody listening like if you're trying to figure out how to get people to rally behind you you have got to go bold and you got to get specific
2: chris you are so great at distilling down <laughs> a lot of smattering of uh of passion and <laughs> Aw, experience out of putting it into uh, <laughs> poetic terms i'll take it one point farther too uh, to your point of uh, it, it's the bigger companies that are actually doing this. A lot of that is not just the customer face, uh, not just the audience face, but it's also the employee face yeah. uh, and, and, and creating a rallying cry. because really what that is and what I've talked about is uh, it, the empowerment aspect of that, You know, understanding that you are speaking from that platform and you are ideating and whatever vertical within the corporate space uh, it, that you are marching to the same drumbeat that you are on cue, that yeah. you do understand those tenants. Because the bigger the corporation, the more space between you and the C-suite there is. You have to, you have to get some of, those, uh, some of that thinking ingrained in your brain and to have it as an all-up place of saying, like, these are the tenants. This is how we go about our business. This is what we feel uh, is correct about our brand. Yeah. Uh, I think those are all incredibly important things, not just for external, but also that's the internal rally cry.
0: Yeah. And if you can't get the internal going, you'll never do the external. Um, talking about like, you know, rallying cries and motivation and staying, you know, choosing to work in a company, let's talk about you. You joined Viacom, I think, right out of
2: college. Is that right? Yeah. And then you stayed there for 15 years. So that's not a place where you typically have a lot of long timers. Uh, you yeah. do have some, but, uh, you know, it's really a great springboard. It certainly was through the 90s, uh, uh, the 2000s, or the aughts, it it was really a great springboard for you to go and get a lot of, you know, it's MTV, that's rebellious spirit, right? You get a lot of, at a young age, you get a lot of that great experience, be it on set or with creative that, You know, in in some regards and respects, I felt like I didn't have uh, the track record or the resume at that point to take on, you know, uh, uh, some of these huge projects where I find myself sitting late night with the SNL writers in a writing room, which was a conference room at uh, 1515 Broadway uh, uh, with Jimmy Fallon and his team, right? Like, I'm like, I'm a kid out of college. Like, this is a dream come true. But you get a lot of that experience right out of the gate. That that, that opportunity is thrust upon you, which is incredible, and I I, I pray that that's still the case uh, because those hard knocks are hard to come by. But fifteen years there, uh, seeing some of the most amazing change in industry over the course of time, and in, in, in cable television, that move to digital. Uh, uh, but still being all about the young generation, and I say say generally because. That evolved yeah. over the course of my time there to multiple generations uh, and, and being able to be a curator of and uh, and understand th- those generations as we kind of recycled through those, those demos.
0: Yeah, I have, I have a lot of questions here um, because like one, even the language you're using is so interesting, which is like, how do you tap into what a generation wants and how the needs And the engagement of that generation is different. And so you saw that because you were, you know, first of all, extremely rare to be at a place for 15 years. I've also, I mean, started Wistia 15 years ago. So I'm asking this question also thinking about myself and like what keeps it interesting and what evolves. And we've seen lots of changes. But it sounds like on the one side you saw this. Is that right? Like it's almost like what does this next generation want or what is where is the current generation going? And then trying to fuel that with content. Is that how you would almost distill a big part of the job?
2: Yeah, what matters to that generation, right? And working on the uh, brand creative and promotional side, it's really how can you tap into the wants and needs and the expectations uh, uh, of a generation kind of, you know, to an extent, net new, right? Like we, we put those guardrails from a strategic standpoint very definitively around Gen Z and millennials. Yeah. And, you know, we put very clear bios against those. Uh, And and I think that's, you know, it still requires that kind of test and experimentation, right? Like you still have to see what's hitting, what assumptions did we solve for and how did that work? But it's an evolving process always of ensuring that you're actually giving that audience what they need, that there's a value proposition for them uh, and that you're engaging with them, not just in the tone and the messaging that they want, but the platform. And it's not a Viacom or MTV thing alone. Uh, it, it's media in general. It's brands as well. It's advertisers. It, you know, What platform are we engaging in? What content are we creating? What messages go out there that are platform-specific as opposed to a platform agnostic? Here's what we're Creating for our you know summer fashion line, right? It,
0: yeah, and if you were to distill that learning around matching the content to the platform for somebody who doesn't have the experience of you know thinking about building and marketing to and engaging a generation like, how would you distill it? Like, how do you know quickly what people want, or how do you how do you test?
2: So, it, it, look, it, it's it's going to vary based on what you're what you're marketing, what you're advertising, right? I mean, if you're on brand. Side the likelihood is your advertising is going to come down to revenue. Are you are you tying them back to a free trial sign up, or are you uh, are you getting them to engage uh, uh, for non-advertising and branded content? Are you getting them to engage? And I think that's look between brandwagon and talking too loud. I've found a, a number of guests that you've had on that have talked about uh, measurements and KPIs, right? Which is it feels like sand in our hands, like the tighter you grasp that, the further from what you would hope yeah. to accomplish <laughs> yeah. happens. Yeah. Uh, it's difficult. You know, you talk about things like brand lift studies. Is that the end all be all? Or, you know, from my experience, what I what I'm trying to do now with content is utilize proxies in a platform specific environment. So whether that's, you know, a podcast and you're looking at your ratings and your comments, uh, what is your audience retention? Are they coming back to the next episode? Wow, I really like that interview with Mailchimp. Adam on GoDaddy, I'm not so thrilled about. but uh, <laughs> the the idea of you know utilizing your platforms for proxy, I think is a right minded goal uh, to understand from a branding side. Look, we need to look at these things specifically as i talked about earlier you know your core audience and the and the and the chemistry that you create and the connection that you make with your core audience are they coming back uh, and that's that's the aspect that i'm trying to focus on in building not just brand owned and operated channels but building audiences that see their value proposition they see themselves reflected in the content uh, and it has them commenting it has them liking it has them sharing it out with friends family peers co-workers um, that's that's the KPI that I'm in now
0: cool um, I mean those proxies that's what jumps out to me is like uh, I or I often say the qualitative thing of like just like ask people um, yep. ask people what they think <laughs> and like listen hard yep. um, so it's cool to see that you've had that same experience. I want to ask you a question, you know, I think, like, obviously, being at a place for 15 years, you must have been engaged and learning and constantly evolving what you're doing there, right? And even what you talked about, learning about what a generation wants is, like, pretty exciting to think about. Like, all right, Gen Z wants really different things from millennials. Like, we're going to have to figure out how to remake, like, what we're making, where they're seeing it, how they're engaging with it. Like, that's super exciting. But then you transition to GoDaddy um and you kind of said a little bit about why that was what advice do you have for people today because you know in the pandemic in this moment i think a lot of people were like all right i'm gonna buckle down and keep doing what i'm doing and now as the summer has come and vaccines are here and we're transitioning to this new phase like a lot of people are trying to decide like where should i be what should i do what's your advice for people today like when should you move roles when should you find something new um, or when should you look at your, what you're doing and say, actually, this could be something where I grow my career for 15 years?
2: Yeah. I, I saw uh, recently a study that said this year, for the remainder of the year, they're looking at potentially 40% uh, <laughs> yeah. of Americans looking to uproot themselves into a new line of work.
0: Insane. That's, that's
2: wild, right? That's It's crazy to think that insane. many people are considering that. I, I, I think it's a very legitimate question. And obviously, it's on the minds of nearly half of the population which is wild um i wonder how much honestly w- without answering that question directly but i wonder how much of that is if we've been spoiled in some way or 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 maybe beat up through the pandemic i'm not sure which road that is uh that you know has us in a place where we're like okay i'm open to other opportunities i'm open to other options like is that being uh my travel is cut down my uh time in my home with my family like, has exponentially gone up, which is fantastic? Or is it that as a recourse to the pandemic, our calendars are full? Right? Yeah. Like, which, which direction is that? I think about it as like a shock to the system. And it's like,
0: there hasn't been like a big shock like this in any of our lifetimes. And so it's like, well, should I rethink everything? I don't know. Like, are other people rethinking? Like, if enough people around you are like rethinking things, I think it makes you rethink it as well. But I, I think it's probably like a combination of what you're talking about. It's like you know, people realize they don't have to commute anymore; they can see their family all the time, or they can live in some other place, and they're like, "Wow, this is epic!" and "This is amazing." And I think a lot of companies, and Wistia included, like we really tried to make sure that the team was taken care of, like back to your, like, you know, helping the internal folks like really feel connected. It's like, well, what can we do to remove as much burden as possible for the team? And so then you're coming out of it and you're like, wait, there's a ton of shit we need to do. There's way more people we need to hire. There's all this stuff we're changing. And so it's almost like the change, it depends on the business, but like, and I've I've talked to a lot of other SaaS companies actually have said the same thing to me, which is beginning of the pandemic, we didn't change much. We just changed where we were working. And so, you know, especially because of the timing, we had annual plans, like we didn't, we we just kept marching forward. But, you know, all our friends in retail and anyone who had been in person, everything got blown upside down, right? And now, retail can come back and in person can come back and, you know, vaccines and mass combination, whatever, like you can feel safe doing so many of these normal things. But now we're all these SaaS companies that were just like, having it pretty easy at the beginning. Now we're undergoing huge change. Um and big questions about what we want to do and where we want to go and who's excited about it. I would say there's probably more change happening at Wistia this year than last year, but I would never have expected that. I never right. would have thought that.
2: Right. We're supposed to be normalizing in so many ways. We're actually exactly,
0: and it feels like I don't know what normal is anymore. Like I don't know when we will get there. Um, because I feel like we keep hoping. Oh, it's yeah. This is weird and different, but is this new normal? Hopefully, it's new normal. And they're like I changed again. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, I think, you know, it's interesting because in the back of my mind, I was thinking to your original question of what advice uh, uh, for somebody who's looking for that move, you and I both took it in the same direction was uh, with more of a mind's eye towards retaining. Yeah. Uh, And whether that be, you know, uh, retaining your employees, retaining your teams, my mindset is more around, and maybe that's just where I'm at in my career right now, but it's more on, if you see the opportunity be fulfilled and be challenged where you currently are, um, the opportunity, not that it's currently happening, you know, if you're, if you're in that consideration mode, obviously, those are two of the key aspects to try to turn up the heat on yourself. For me, I feel like that's the game changer. And that's, you know, I think with yourself uh, uh, having the experience that I have being at a place for 15 years, we've had to go through those process of reinvention. We've had to evolve in ways that uh, were either great aha moments. Yes, I think we can do this and we should do this because here's our goal and that would be amazing. Let's do that, Uh, even if it's a little painful. Um, Or through, (laughs) as reasons that you just talked about with this year, uh, they've been forced on us. I think that also gives you a reason why, reason to stay. And uh, I think that kind of reinvention, whether that's something that... Uh, you don't have that challenge because you haven't found it, you haven't sought it out, or you haven't gotten a go-ahead to, uh, uh, to make an initiative come to life. Those are the areas that I'm more focused on in my life, in my mindset, and in my career right now is like, how do I make this just enough uncomfortable so I have some space to really innovate? That's my, uh, that would be my recommendation as opposed to jump ship. Yeah, <laughs> start from scratch because yeah. if you have something that already works but needs a tweak, it needs a jump yeah. start. I love That's that. That's the area that I think is most exciting.
0: Yeah, it's funny, it actually reminded me of a conversation um I had with someone this week where we were talking about I I went on vacation, like first real vacation in a little while and came back like 2 weeks ago. And the thing that was on my mind coming back in um, was I'd start asking myself this question which was if I were to come in today with what I know, with my values, with the things I've seen work, with the things I've seen not work. And I saw the opportunities in front of us like, what would I do? And it's like an exercise in like trying to remove the sunk costs, right? And like remove the as much of the bias as I can and get back to the core of like, uh, what do I know? And I've been asking other people the same thing of in their job saying like, if you came in with what you knew, like if you joined a company with everything you've learned at Wistia and you walked in, what would you change? And it's kind of similar to what you're talking about, which is like, well what would be the challenge or what would i be confident trying that i haven't tried before what would i never do again um and actually you could look at your situation and it's like why well, I, I can't change that like it's it can help you i think figure out that question cuz it's such an interesting question and uh real magic can happen i think when you're at a place for a long time and you are constantly growing right like the
2: trust that's there and and the speed that you can do things. You're engaged. Right. The yeah. speed. I, I mean, I don't under, underestimate the power of knowing who to pick up the phone and call. Yeah. By the way, a phone that you pick up can be an iPhone, but it can also be a handset, apparently. <laughs> uh, We're going to have to have a link in the show notes to what that is. <laughs> that'll be the, the biopic that accompanies Adam's on the phone.
1: Please hold on.
2: I do want to make sure that I get some intel from you, Chris, because I, I, I think, you know, you've been in this role of content creator, content expert as well for a while. Um, I'd love to turn the spotlight around if yeah, let's that's go. okay. Yeah, of course. You're driving the ship.
1: He go- let's go.
2: Let's go. <laughs> Sylvie, I haven't heard from you yet, and you drop so many great <laughs> knowledge bombs in every episode, and I'm I'm ready for it. Where are we with that? <laughs> Is the timer still ticking down on that knowledge
1: bomb? Yeah, no, I'm I'm waiting for my moment to just swoop in and and drop that knowledge bomb. Uh, I'm just kind of sitting back for a minute because this is fascinating to me. I feel like you've known each other for a while. So as a producer, I love to see it. Um, But yeah, fire away. Chris is ready. I'm ready. We're ready.
2: Thank you for that, Sylvia. So (laughs) humble uh, in in that space. I know Sylvia was shockingly humble just then. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to ask uh, initially. So Brandwagon was the uh, first foray that you've had as host, right, Chris? Mm-hmm. What drove the, the the change from an in person? I'm guessing I know the answer, but I would love to hear about the change from uh, Brandwagon to Talking Too Loud.
0: Yeah, great question. Yeah, so Brandwagon was an in person talk show style show. Uh, late night talk show, I would say. Um, And so we wanted to have guests on, we were going to interview them. And we wanted to have all these like, really fun and zany, like cutaways and things to like keep it super fun. And we decided to do it in in the summer, Uh, must have been the summer of 2019. And we like made the trailer for the season without having shot an episode and we decided it was going to be weekly cuz shows like that are weekly or daily and so weekly seemed good and we set off making this thing and i'm like extremely proud of what we made and like i learned a lot about how you prep for an interview and how you prep for this like on-camera show and like getting the right like vibe and all this stuff but we just bit off the most massive thing um, it was absolutely senseless like it was such an enormous <laughs> enormous project and everyone involved with it was like losing their minds because it was like from a production standpoint every week we were shooting an interview so we're doing things on location we're doing zany cutaways and then we're getting this like 20 minute thing but it also had an hour-long version of the interview and what i discovered is that a lot of people started watching it because of the wild stuff on there like they surprised me with an animal trainer at one point as an example and so like there's like (laughs) snakes and owls and like you know, possums. It was terrifying. Um, And that's really good stuff to like put out on social is me being afraid of the snake, right? Always. But then we also made the audio podcast version of this and we didn't promote it at all. It was just like brand wagon interviews. Like, and if you went and found it, you could find it. And what we discovered was that like people were watching the show and, you know, there was like basically if you made like five minutes in, you'd watch the whole thing, which kind of makes sense. But the podcast with the deeper conversations the numbers were not huge but the the back to like qualitative proxies like the engagement was extremely high it was like whoa this is the stuff that i really want and then the other thing was brandwag was just about brand and i i love building brands and care a lot about building brands but i was talking to the ceo of hubspot right? And like, I've known him for a long time and watched him go from this like tiny startup to this like now massive like $50 billion company. And I have lots of like entrepreneurial questions for him and things I want to talk about and how you manage internal comms and all that's what I would really talk to him about if I was hanging out with him. And that couldn't fit into the show because the show is just about brand. So that's where we settled on like, all right, let's do this podcast thing. And then let's make sure that we're setting up a system where... We won't get bored when we're doing it. We'll probably get more excited and more into it, which has been true with Talking Too Loud. So we've been doing Talking Too Loud for a year. And I find the conversations today easier, more fun, and more engaging. No shade on the early folks. It's just I figured out more how to run a show. Sylvie's figured it out. Um and these questions are real questions that I'm asking you because like we face these things here. Like I face these these problems. And so It's worked really well in this regard. We decided to do it pre-COVID, and Sylvia and I were supposed to meet in person for the first time in March 2020, and then COVID hit, and we're like, oh, okay, I guess we're doing this (laughs) remotely, Um, but the vision was at first, it would be predominantly audio, but we would use video, and we'd do the wild, more crazy stuff in person, maybe like every eight episodes or something. And so I think like what quote back to getting normal, once things are really normal, I think we'll introduce more live episodes and we'll introduce more in person episodes. Um, And that will create a space for like more of the crazier stuff that we can do. But I actually find that even just in this format, we can do a lot of that stuff as long as the the conversation is like truly about things that I care about and the guest cares about and Sylvie cares about. And if we
2: do that, then that actually ends up usually being what the audience wants. I I love in the conversation. It, it's very meta, right? Because a lot of your guests that you're talking to, the show itself is something to put under the microscope, right? Yes. Because we're all brand experts. We're all marketing experts. Yes. We're all uh, uh, CMOs. And uh, to that to that level, we look at this as like, cool, give me some insight based on this. Like, what am I on right now? Who is my audience? Getting that our minds around that, that's, that's our language, right? So I love the meta of it. I'm going to bring it to a little bit less uh, uh, less marketing speak and brand yeah. speak. I want to know because I went back and I watched some of your early episodes on Brandwagon. I was excited to see uh, Lauren Fleshman uh, as a guest. Yeah, um, I worked recently with her husband on a series called Go Forth. Uh, oh, sweet! I, and I had um, Tony Hawk. He
1: was a guest. A he was a guest, yeah, was on, a guest on the too. show.
2: Jesse was a guest on. Yeah. Time Talk. Big fan. Yeah. Big fan of Picky Bars. Big fan of both of those individuals. Love it. Love um, it. But the question that I have, you ran a 610 mile. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh-huh. so it's something around an approximation. Yeah. Like 623 or something. I don't know. Something like that. That's
1: badass. Did you really? It was 620. I didn't realize it was that's fast. That yeah. is
0: badass. And what did Lauren say about it? Uh, she's like, oh, pretty good. If you're training, you might be fast. Something like
2: that, I think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I love that.
2: Super cool backhand compliment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Coming yeah. from a world-class distance runner. You know,
0: I mean, she said to me when I ran that, which this is in an episode of Brown. Like, you watch me. I mean, it's funny, some of you have never seen it, but there's like, this is documented. No,
1: I ha- I saw it. Oh, I did? saw it. I just didn't know. I just didn't realize. I don't know why that fact escaped my brain, yeah. but it did. I didn't remember it was that fast.
0: Yeah, the funny thing I always think about, is she was like, I'm like, do you have any words of advice? She's like, don't come out too fast. I said, okay. And then I ran and I get around the you first like, lap. And it. she's like, <laughs> Your first lap, it's four laps is a mile. She's like, your first lap was 129 or something. And I was like, oh, no. I—I I, All I could think <laughs> is, oh, shit, what have I done? Like, <laughs> I have just done the worst thing possible because now I have to try to keep this up. And there's cameras yeah. and there's drones. And that final lap when I was coming around, I could see, you know, there's really not much left. There's like, you know, a quarter of the lap left. And I'm looking at it yeah. thinking to myself, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Like, I'm, I literally felt like I do not know if I'm going to make it to that finish line and pushed as hard as I could. And I was like, well, if I pass out, like, this probably won't. They, they won't actually put that part of the show. It'll be fine. And I, when I completed, I was so happy. But it was, yeah, it was, that was a
2: wild, ridiculous thing to do. I brought that up uh, because number one, I'm a, as I said, I'm a fan of Lauren and Jesse, but I also was really impressed uh, <laughs> that you put it all on the line and that you made such a great time.
0: Thank you. Well, you know, it's funny, back to what you said about taking risks, like at work and like challenging yourself, you know, signing up to do a show is a little scary if you haven't done it, if you've only been the guest, all that stuff felt like I've pushed myself out of my comfort zone in many points of time. And I guess I'm going to do it in this way, too. And now looking back, it feels so good that I did it. Um, But like, I don't really think you're growing. It's like not that interesting unless you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, right? Like, that's like the best stuff.
2: Yeah, 100%. It's finding what your comfort zone is and
0: then just, yeah. just selling, yeah. just open yourself up to a yard sale. <laughs> so are you, are you a runner? Are you like, you know, what's, what, what's your mile time?
2: How <laughs> <laughs> much you bench, Chris? Uh, I, when I consider distance, uh, I, I'm distance adverse. I do, okay. you know, top out at six, seven miles uh, and, and rinse and repeat. My mile time, I don't mean to brag, but I'm about a, I'm, I'm about a 650. Okay, Seven
0: minutes. that's real good, especially at those distances. That's amazing. Look, I feel like yeah. there's so much other stuff I want to talk about, but I I don't want to miss. I want to go back uh, a little bit because I know that you're doing you're doing a lot of really exciting content at GoDaddy, and one thing in particular I was looking at was the um, the series Made in America. Yeah, can you talk about um, about what that is for people, why they should check it out, and like you know this? I do think it's like as a brand building exercise. And you said this earlier, but it's very different from what
2: GoDaddy used to do. So when I started at GoDaddy, one of the first collaborative uh, efforts I had was uh, with Stacey Klein, who runs our Empower by GoDaddy program. And essentially, as I talked about earlier, the corporate mission being about radically shifting the global economy towards independent ventures, this set, this group, I uh, was almost philanthropic minded about entrepreneurship, uh, looking at underserved communities. And when I say underserved communities, I mean, areas that don't have access to Wi-Fi, areas that are uh, don't have a peer set or access to education in the entrepreneurial space, looking at those areas and saying, GoDaddy can help be a part of building out those areas to level the playing field in those underserved communities. How can we level that playing field so somebody can get up and start Uh, their business on their own two feet, but armed with the resources that really we know powers and makes the difference uh, in those first two years of starting a business, even in those first 15 minutes of (laughs) getting yourself online, which is our strong point. But it's also the information and and the expertise we have within the GoDaddy culture. We're actually encouraged to follow our entrepreneurs and start something on our own. Oh, wow. Interesting. Just to get a sense cool. of what, what that feels like, what, what steps you go through. So, in one of those early meetings, as I was introduced to Stacey Klein and the Empower Project, I said, This is exactly what we talked about when it comes to living your brand ethos and living it for an external audience. What matters to that business can matter um, if there's a value proposition in it, if it's entertaining content. So, we approach this as a local play in the United States. Um, to look at all of the regions that empower serves, uh, which has grown uh, quite a bit in the two and a half years that I've been at GoDaddy now. So what we've done with Made in America is a four-part series. Uh, It's a seasonal annual launch where every season we go to a different uh, partner in a different city in the US that has these populations of underserved communities. And we detail it, we document it who who are these people what are their hurdles and challenges how do they overcome them uh, and who's there really to help them along in their process and i think one of the amazing things that we've seen and we've documented through the series is that community is at the heart of all of these people's stories they're doing it for themselves they're doing it to generate generational wealth and they're doing it in lockstep with their communities and when i say communities uh, that's not along the lines of race or ethnicity or age, this is really like, this is Memphis and and, and people in Tennessee are behind this. They back these people and help one another out. So I think that's one of the really strong and emotive uh, uh, pieces that is inspiring that we've seen coming out of this this series. We're now going into our third season, uh, which will launch later this year. We're in Phoenix, uh, which has us partnering with our long-term partners, the Better Business Bureau. And it's, it's just great. You know. One of the true benefits of this is really caring about uh, the customers that we have out there, caring about entrepreneurs, because we are in, in the documentary space. We're living with them, not in the course of a, a one-hour podcast sit-down where we're speed dating. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I love yeah. this is the greatest speed date I've ever been on. Um, <laughs> however, we're embedded with these, uh, uh, with these individuals for months on end. Yeah. So we see their challenges and even behind the camera and when the camera's off, we're really living in these moments with these people who are launching. or trying to grow into a new facet and a new stage in their entrepreneurial journey. And it's really, I mean, it's empowering. It's inspiring. It's very emotional because there are times where it goes pear-shaped, right? And they know that they have no option but to solve for that. So yeah. the, the stakes are incredibly high for these individuals and you know, it's it's hard not uh, it's hard for us as the as the storytellers and the filmmakers to not be swept away in that. That's awesome. And where can people check it out? So the main hub for the majority of our series work right now is our owned and operated channel uh, for video. That's on GoDaddy's YouTube channel. We've launched uh, two seasons there already, uh, as well as our series Go Forth featuring Jesse Thomas uh, and, and Picky Bars. Uh, that is similar with our podcast work. Um, you know, owned and operated is really where we're, where we're driving people to, uh, godaddy.com slash podcasts.
0: Awesome. Well, look, I think it's so cool. I was just reflecting as you're saying this, it's like, you know, this filmmaking challenge and the, and the telling these stories and getting in people's communities and like, um, really trying to help them as much as we can. And like thinking about the fact that, uh, you're at GoDaddy, you came from Viacom and like a brand is investing this much in storytelling is just really, really sweet. Like it's like such a representation of like where we can all go um, and how much opportunity there is in the space. And I love hearing you talk about this because it's it's clear that you're so passionate about these stories. And like I wouldn't have guessed that someone would go MTV and then go GoDaddy. But like it seems like with the right creative opportunity, that's like such a great transition and thing to do.
2: It's an absolute sweet spot, uh, and it's been an absolute pleasure to be able to you know bring some of that experience to the table because it really you know as we talked about earlier, your competitive set is everybody making content. So how do you take that lens to apply it to a brand? I think that's incredibly important when we are talking about that long form, uh, even the short form content. You have to know the competition. Uh, and, and that competition is, is stiff.
0: Yeah. I think it's also just like the thing that people, f- it seems so obvious, but like people forget the fact that you're selling to entrepreneurs, like you're selling to people who are, you know, business people, right? And like they watch this stuff. Like the, the world that we live in is like you might listen to Talking Too Loud, you might go watch Made in America, then you might go watch Sexy Beasts on uh, Netflix. But like you're looking for a different thing. <laughs> yeah, that was for you, Sylvia. I know you're a big fan. Oh, thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> and you get like a different thing from each piece of content. But like if you were to look at the the things you watch and consume and listen to on a daily basis. Like it's some mix of inspiration for your life, some mix of inspiration for your business, some mix of just pure entertainment. But that is the world we live in now. And I think that's that opportunity is so huge, right? Cause anyone, every customer that you have is it has that same you know mix of content that they're dealing with every day and that's why the opportunity is so big i think absolutely um well look adam thank you so much for coming on the show this really was super fun and i feel like i've known you for a long time even though we just met so i don't know how that happened
2: but uh this was great thank you for that i feel the same chris it's been a pleasure so be great seeing you as well
1: great seeing you
0: You know, it's fun to talk to somebody who is obviously like so passionate about what they do, but also like confident in this format, right? like he he's like, "I'm deciding right now that I'd like to ask you questions. Is this
1: okay? Love that he flipped the script yeah and and like also like he clearly watched Brandwagon and oh, yeah. listened to talking too loud. like that was really nice to just like kind of have someone on who's familiar with the content and like also his buddies with Jesse Thomas and. Like that was a nice little overlap there.
0: That was crazy. I was not expecting that at all. Um, I wasn't either. And I think also just like you know, he's like the realization of this like transition of every company becoming a media company, you know, going from a brand that is like has a million brands and thinking about understanding generations and like what their needs are and how they evolve to like all right, we're going to go to GoDaddy, which I mean we only touched on this briefly in the interview, but I was walking outside Um, after we recorded and ran into somebody. And I told him, I just saw someone from GoDaddy, like, oh, did you talk about Danica Patrick? (laughs) It's like, (laughs) it's crazy, like how much that's what the brand used to be. And to be so different and so much more about empowering entrepreneurs now and telling those stories. And when he talks about like, all right, yeah, we're making content and actually getting part of the community and staying there for months at a time is so cool. It's such a representation of the change. And Adam is like such a great evangelist for that, right? I mean, he obviously is so passionate about that storytelling and how you do it. And it doesn't really matter if it's uh, like, you know, a tech brand or a media company. It's just telling a great story.
1: Absolutely. And the Made in America series, everybody should check out. Um, something else that I thought was, was really cool was that when he was talking about his advice for folks who are, you know, thinking about what they want their careers to look like, given the moment that we're in where everyone's kind of reevaluating. I just thought what he said was like so interesting because it wasn't like you got to just like dive in. You got to take this leap. His message was like, you can make a tweak. Yeah. Like you can make a tweak and like a tweak might be all that you need. And if it's not, make another tweak and then maybe kind of like see where you're at.
0: Yeah, that was really good advice. And I think that it's so easy to think like the grass is greener. You know, always right. right. And I think what he's saying right. is like it might not be that much greener. You might be taking for granted some of the things that you have around you that are gonna help you do better work and help your career grow and help the company you're at grow. Um and you just have to look and don't undervalue the fact that you know who to call and you know what to do and you right. have those relationships. Right. And I think that is really true. And it's also like the opposite of like what a lot of you know, new career advice is, which is like, oh, go work at one company, stay for two years, go to the next one, go to the next one, the next one. He's saying, no, figure out how to tweak it to get further. And I think that's like, probably for most people, better advice.
1: I think that's huge, because it's not, it's not like sweeping change. But it's also like, he's not shying away from asking himself the hard questions and like, encouraging other people to do the same. So like, he talked about the longevity of his career at Viacom and was very grateful for it and was able to like, iterate on his career there but like he had to push himself right like he had to know that he wanted to evolve there and like if anybody's been at a company for a long time and they're kind of like I don't know what's my next move to kind of take a step back and be like could I push myself even more at the place that I'm at like that's a cool question to ask totally I loved it
0: yeah loved it great interview we did it we did it thank you Adam thank you for coming and bringing your a game. Making it easy. Bring in
1: your a, a for Adam Palmer game.
0: A for Adam. Okay, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to wrap up. So um, We do. Yes. Thank you for joining us today. If you like the show, don't forget to rate and review it wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, if you have feedback for us, of course, you can leave in a review, but we love the detail. Send it to us an email, ttlpod at wisia.com and lots of other great content coming from Wistia Studios at wistia.com. Have a great day, everyone.
1: Talking Too Loud is brought to you by Wistia, hosted by Chris Savage, produced by me, Sylvie Lubau, along with Adam Day. Executive produced by Wistia Studios. This episode was mixed by Maria Passingham of Edit Audio. Listen to Talking Too Loud wherever you listen to podcasts. And hey, rate and review us wherever you listen. And check out more content from Wistia Studios at wistia.com.